Welcome to a brand new episode of Disclosure, the newest radio offering from the Voice of Prophecy, broadcast from beautiful Loveland, Colorado. I'm in studio today with my beautiful wife, Jean. My name is Sean. We are your hosts for the program, and today on the show, I have got... Chris Holland, the speaker director for It Is Written Canada, and he has been on the program before. Uh, he's a good friend. He occupies a chair that I once held way back in ancient history, the speaker directorship of It Is Written. And that is a big program in Canada, isn't it, Chris? Absolutely. It Is Written Canada can be viewed in 98% of the homes in Canada. We 98%? Have 98%. But there are only three people in Canada. We all know that. <laughs> there are 35 million people in the land to the north. Uh, and for the listener, that is a land that if you go from the east to the west, you cover six time zones in one place that is so unique that it has its own time zone out in Newfoundland and Labrador. They're actually <laughs> half an hour ahead of the next time zone. That Not is, a full hour. That's correct. Half an hour. And I remember living in Canada that if something was coming on television at 7 p.m., the next phrase was at 7.30 in Newfoundland. Yeah. That yeah. is correct. Yeah. We grew up with that, that kind of language. We've been hearing great things from friends and family in Canada though. Um, and we've been praying for you, Chris, you and your wife, Debbie, and the work you're doing up there. We certainly appreciate it. It has been a real blessing to be up there. And uh, in our short time there, we have been in more of Canada than many Canadians, actually. Uh, <laughs> I just have two more territories to go and we will, uh, although I, I, I have one province. I haven't been to PEI. I've seen PEI. I've been right next now, to the Now, for the, the listener, PEI is short for Prince Edward Island. And yes. if you know anything about Anne of Green Gables, yep. Anne all Anne of Green Gables. the younger <laughs> listeners are maybe older listeners who have fond memories from childhood, that's where that story took place. Yes, absolutely. So it is a beautiful place. We enjoy it. Beautiful people and a place where the gospel is desperately needed. And uh, and so we're doing our best to spread the message of the love of Jesus. You know, what's mm -hmm. interesting about that is a lot of people, I hear a lot of people talking about post-Christian America and how secular America has gone. And I laugh because I'm originally from Canada. I'm not laughing that it's getting more secular. There's no question America is becoming more secular. But compared to Canada, this is Bible Belt Central yes. because Canada truly is a far more secular nation, isn't it? It is a far more secular nation. And what, you know, I, I talk to people about that. You know, it, most of Canada is not any more secular than the big cities of the U.S. However, where that secular, uh, where you really see the secular aspect is when you get down into rural Canada, even there, where as in the U.S., especially when you get down into the rural South, right. you have the Bible Belt. There, There is a Bible Belt, so to speak, in Canada, and that's mainly out in Alberta in the Calgary area. Yeah, but I grew even, up in that area. <laughs> even that as a Bible Belt is uh, not anywhere near a Bible Belt uh, compared to the U.S., but it's a very secular place. However, that sometimes we, when we think about uh, secular ideals, we think that people are totally averse to the Bible. That is not the case in what I'm finding. What I'm finding is there are a great many people who want to know about the Bible, who want to understand the Bible, but have grown up in a generation that has become biblically illiterate. And so programs like this program, Disclosure, are so important. The Voice of Prophecy was actually founded on that very principle of getting the Word of God over the airwaves so people can make a decision for themselves. Now, I happen to know this. You have an office just outside of Toronto. 
and uh, right close to your office, you're actually, I think your office is in Oshawa. Well, I think, I know, because I used to work in that office. That's it's right. in Oshawa, Ontario in Canada, and just blocks from where your office is, is the very spot where HMS Richards, the founder of this show, had his first pastorate, if not one of his first, if it wasn't the first one, it was one of his first pastorates. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Mabel, his wife, also come from... You know, if I remember right, she was not Canadian, but she was working up there. And they met up there and they got married. Right. And pastored there. a church at Harmony Corners, which is just blocks just, from that's right. your yeah. office. Well, probably enough about Canada. I could go on. Other than this, I do want to point this out, Pastor, is that... Um, you're working in an environment that is quite free. I mean, Canada is quite a, a liberated country. It's a Western democracy. It's quite free. But you do face certain restrictions in Canada when it comes to just preaching the gospel. You're not as free as some other places, which surprises American listeners sometimes to find out there are restrictions on what you can say. Absolutely. In fact, I, you and I were talking about this, that I was on a radio program. As we opened the radio program, I said, and let's open with a word of prayer. And the producer's waving his hands and uh, and let me know that we could not pray because that particular show did not have the license to allow them to pray over the airwaves. And so for the the listener uh, I that is in the United States here, the freedoms that you enjoy, enjoy them, embrace them, continue to pray because... Just a, and by the way, the border with Canada, um, within a hundred miles of the U.S. border, ninety-five percent of the Canadian population right. lives, and that border is a very uh, open border. Not do I mean by people sneaking in and out, but what well, I, I mean did walk is, across it once without permission <laughs> as a kid. But what I mean by that is what happens in Canada happens down in the U.S., and often what happens in the U.S. eventually happens in Canada, and so. Enjoy the freedoms because uh, we, you know, and it is a very free country. I love Canada. But you're still free to believe what you want. That's Think what you want. You're not always free to say what you want. That is correct. And so, and so the freedom of speech that is enjoyed uh, through the Constitution in the United States is something to be greatly valued. Now, to be clear, we're not talking about Soviet style repression. No, no, no. Nothing like that. But. I know, for example, that it's very difficult. If I want to open a Christian radio station, they're going to make life a little bit hard and probably insist that I give equal time to other faiths or at least significant time to other faiths. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, Canada is dear to my heart, and it's a subject that interests everybody sitting in this room, uh, but maybe not all the listeners. So I know that's not (laughs) our primary topic for today, Pastor Holland. Why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about? We've got Bibles open here in studio, because anytime Pastor Holland is in town, the Bibles are open, and we're studying the Word of God. And I'd like to ask you, what do you have in mind for us today for our study? Well, you know, Sean, as I visit with people all across Canada and here in the U.S., all of my family still lives here in the U.S., and uh, as I visit with them, I will tell you over and over again the the overarching uh, attitude is one of fear, uh, fear for the future. You know, all you have to do is read the headlines, watch the news, listen to the news, go on the internet. And it just seems like every every day, names like Jihadi John and ISIS oh, right. yeah. and all of these things are far more common than things that bring happy thoughts. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, I, I 
most newscasts, I, in fact, I, I do my best actually not to watch many newscasts anymore because at the end of it, you just feel depressed because there's just typically not a whole lot of good that comes out of the news. But you know, there's this interesting thing that I listened to and actually it was a, it was a speech at the UN. Right. And okay. it was a, it, it is a man, an apostolic Christian, and he begins sharing. He was invited by the General Assembly to address the General Assembly. I'm somewhat vaguely familiar with the video. For the listener's sake, go to voiceofprophecy.com. I'm going to try, in association with this discussion with Pastor Holland, to put up a link to the video you're talking about so that you can see it for yourself. But why don't you tell us what you saw in that video and, and why it sort of triggered your imagination? So the gentleman tells a story about how he had a an event in his life where he actually died. He was clinically dead. He had a heart attack. Uh, he had no heartbeat for 45 minutes. 45 minutes? 45 minutes. Uh, they are shocking his heart. Uh, normally in the U.S., the procedure is to shock the heart three times, and after that, they just don't do it anymore. Where I can't remember exactly where he was, but they shocked his heart 10 times. Hmm. They were taking him away. Uh, blood was beginning to coagulate, and he was declared dead on arrival. Then by a miracle of God, his heart begins to beat again. And he comes, 45 minutes later. 45 minutes later. So he comes back to life. And this man attributes this 100% to a miracle given by God that he is alive. And he's saying this in front of the United Nations. Which is an amazing thing. He's saying this in front of the United Nations, and then he closes with the very simple principle is this. You're dealing with all of the problems of the world, and there is one answer. And that answer is Jesus. Hmm. Uh, it's astonishing to me that he's making that speech in front of the United yeah, Nations. Did he not? And also, was there no brain damage or any lasting effects from this? It's it's quite amazing. He talks in the story that he does not have brain damage, which he should have had brain damage. His sure. brain would have been deprived of oxygen. And even furthermore, he goes later to the doctor. The doctor does a full blood lipid test on him, does a full blood panel. And uh, and I'm not a doctor, but there is a marker in your, I believe it's in your DNA, uh, that shows up in those tests mm -hmm. that that marker talks, basically says that you have heart disease. Mm -hmm. That marker is non-existent non-existent in his makeup. So there was actually a genetic change from before the incident and after the incident. I mean, the, the marker had been there and now is no longer there. That's right. That just doesn't go away. No. You know, I, personally, I have a, a history of heart disease in my family and I have that marker. Yes. And um, so that was an absolute miracle that he experienced. And the doctor, the doctor himself upon examination says, this is impossible. Yeah. This is impossible. Now, this is not some fringe website we're talking no. about. This is not. This is a speech in front of the United Nations. So Again, how does that happen? Well, how does yeah, he get invited? It's not the kind of yeah. thing I'm used to seeing in front of the United Nations or any sort of political assembly. Again, we'll try and get the link up on the website with the show notes for the interview with Pastor Chris Holland. Um, before we go to break here in about two or three minutes, why don't you tell us, though, uh, where you're headed with this? That immediately brought to thought, you know, Jesus, before he died, when he was on this earth, in Matthew chapter 24, he sits down with his disciples, and uh, 
In Matthew chapter 24, he begins to share with the disciples signs of the times. Right. It's uh, I often call Matthew 24 the Reader's Digest condensed version of the book of Revelation or the Reader's Digest condensed version of the Apocalypse. Famous chapter, signs to watch for before yep. Jesus comes. One of the things that has always bothered me is not the right word, but has agitated me a little bit is I never understood right in the middle of the chapter uh, in Matthew 24 and verse 14, Jesus says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Right. But then goes on to tell other signs at a times. And mm-hmm. I, I was, I've always been very confused by that until I read the context. And the context is this. In Matthew 24, 12, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Okay, so the famous part, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. But just prior to that, lawlessness abounds and the love of many will grow cold. That's out of Matthew chapter 24, where the disciples have asked, when will we know when your kingdom is coming? We're up against a break, Pastor Holland, so we're going to create a cliffhanger out of Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. In uh, just a moment, we'll be back to talk about that prophecy. We heard about the speech at the United Nations where a man said he'd been brought back from the dead. He attributed it to Jesus Christ, and it triggered Pastor Holland's thinking, led him to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to uh, share with you an offer from the Voice of Prophecy. It's one that you're going to want to look at. You might want to run very quickly and grab a pen and paper so that you can write down what you're about to hear. The Voice of Prophecy is all about sharing the Word of God and helping people understand it better for themselves. So take a listen to this, and in just a few moments, I'll be back with Pastor Chris Holland, the Speaker-Director for It Is Written Canada. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness, or is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.
And we are back from the break. You are listening to Disclosure, the new broadcast from The Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean Boonstra. I am your host from beautiful Loveland, Colorado. My co-host is the beautiful and talented Jean Boonstra, a woman I have been married to for many, 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 many years. And, uh, well, it's been more than 20 now. It has. It has been more than 20 <laughs> because I married you when you were 12. There you go. And Let's uh, go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> and also in studio, if you've been uh, listening for the last, oh, however many minutes, you'll know that our guest today is Pastor Chris Holland, the speaker for It Is Written Canada. And uh, Chris, just before the break, we were looking at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, this sort of enigmatic verse that says, lawlessness will abound before Jesus comes again. The love of many will grow cold. And we left everybody hanging there. So now I'll let you take us back off the edge of the cliff and explain where we're headed with this thought. Sure. You know, Sean, you and I both teach on Bible prophecy, and right. we often go to Matthew chapter 24, and we talk about the the things that take place there in verses 4 to 8, pestilences, rumors of wars, uh, nations rising against nations, famines, the whole nine yards, and all of those things are being fulfilled all the time. Right. We don't often talk about verse 12, or I no, honestly, say- well, I, I don't. I mean, I do prophecy seminars, and I can't remember a time where, well, I may have mentioned it when I tie it to other passages, like where Paul tells Timothy in the last days, you know, people will be despisers yes. of those that are good. But I don't really spend a lot of time on the verse, so I'm keen to hear this. So in Matthew twenty four twelve, part of the signs of the times, Jesus says, and lawlessness will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. And here is what I would simply ask to the listener right now. If that's not being fulfilled now, when is that being fulfilled? Mm -hmm. We turn on the news, and I I don't want to be gruesome, but when we turn on the news and we find videos of people being burned alive, people having their heads removed from them, and various killings where people are doing this and feeling fully comfortable in what they're doing. When I just heard on the news yesterday, a young man who was being radicalized, uh, getting ready to make a major aggressive terrorist attack, killed his next door 80-year-old neighbor. No kidding. I hadn't heard this story. Just simply, just simply did it to practice. Now, you know, when you think about murder and someone using the word practice. It tells me we are ha- we have come to a time where the love of many has grown cold. Lawlessness is abounding. Right. Now, to be clear, it's not that nobody's ever been beheaded historically no. or anybody's been murdered ruthlessly. But as I look at this, Jesus compares them to birth pangs. Yes. And it's like contractions before you have a baby. When they're getting stronger and more frequent, uh, they're coming closer together. That's a sign that we're getting really close. And I think that's what we can say about now. There have been beheadings in the past, but when in the past did 7 billion people have the ability to sit down and watch that on YouTube same day? Yes. And actually, um, after watching several of them, start to get used to it. Yes. Mm. And, you know, and I, and, and, and I live in a nation, a nation that is considered to be a very peaceful nation and actually has laws in place to limit the amount of guns that are, are available to people. And just in the last years, uh, we see headlines of a man going to Ottawa, our capital, and shooting uh, and killing people uh, right outside of Toronto. Uh, a, a, a police chase recently on the news where guns are blazing between cars. 
this is unheard of. That's in not Canada. the picture of Canada people think of. Well, Didn't you? You, you recently a, had a school shooting right, in Saskatchewan, which we was. Had, so out of character for Canada, but it happened. And so what we see, just as with these other signs of the times, wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, those things have been happening all the time. But the intensity in which they are happening and the frequency in which they are happening has been growing and growing and growing. And now Jesus comes to Matthew twenty four twelve and says, the love of many will grow cold. And then says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And then says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness all nations and then the end will come. Now that's very specific language. I notice he doesn't say the gospel or a gospel. Mm, He's this. very specific. He yeah. says this gospel. This gospel. And what is key here to understand is a couple of things. Jesus brings up this issue of the love of many growing cold and it would seem that he is providing the answer. The answer to the love of many growing cold in the world today is the preaching of not just the gospel, but the preaching of this gospel. Uh, it's very interesting. This is recorded by Matthew. Matthew would have heard those very words of Jesus. He could have used any any words in the original Greek language, but he uses a demonstrative. And for those that don't love grammar, I'm sorry that I've lost you, but stay tuned. Oh, no, I've, my wife is right here, and she is a gra- she's she's a member of the grammar police. Oh, she's wonderful. Not quite there, but right. yeah. I'm she's interested. the one correcting everybody on Twitter. So. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> no one likes that person. <laughs> Jesus says this gospel. Now, it's very right. interesting. Later on, Paul in Galatians says, he says, hey, listen, uh, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of God to a different gospel. Now, there's all kinds of things that Paul was referring to here, but what was clear is Jesus knew that there would be a time coming where people would talk about the gospel that wouldn't really be the gospel. That is pretty clear. That's true. Well, and I wonder, and I believe that the if, if the love of, of my love has grown cold, that preaching the gospel, it also has an impact on me, not just the person I'm preaching it to. So it, it's it's like a global solution to mm-hmm. this global problem, because in, in the act of doing it, we rekindle that love. Absolutely, because see, this gospel, and, 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 and we're going to get right to the meat of this, what does Jesus mean? Did Jesus have a very clear, because the gospel, that word gospel there is literally translated good news. The original Greek word, awangelion, was used by the Greeks uh, to, to declare victory. So when Jesus talks about the gospel, he's talking about the victory he had in redeeming the world from sin, and sin being defined by the Bible as lawlessness. Right. And and so the solution to that is the victory that there is in Jesus. So the question we need to ask then is, what kind of victory is it that Jesus came to bring? It's very interesting. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, you go right back to the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Okay. Luke chapter 4 records that beginning. Our Bible pages are turning here in studio. (laughs) I'd encourage if you're listening and you have a Bible nearby, you might want to follow along. So go grab that Bible, and we're in Luke chapter 4. So in Luke chapter 4, which comes immediately, obviously, after Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3 records the baptism of Jesus. This is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Okay. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, comes out of the wilderness, and the very first thing he does is he goes to church. And he goes to the synagogue, and 
verse 16 records, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So here Jesus is basically doing the scripture reading. He's standing up and he's reading from the scroll, and then this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the Bible says he sat down and all the eyes of the people were fixed on him. And then he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Hmm. Jesus is reading from the Bible of the day, and the Bible of the day would have been the Old Testament. Right. This is a quote from Isaiah 61. Uh, There's a portion of it that seems to be drawn from Isaiah 58, uh, where Jesus may have been, uh, uh, not that Jesus was confused, but he was reading Isaiah 61 and kind of in a commentary inserted something from Isaiah 58. Which would be his right anyway as God in human flesh. That's right, (laughs) since he was the author of it anyways. He quote he reads from Isaiah 61 as a fulfillment of a messianic prophecy defining what is the good news that he came to bring. And it's outlined very clearly that he's come with a mission to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the captives, to the blind, to the oppressed. Fascinating, as Jesus now says, this is what this gospel is. This gospel that I came to bring, this victory I came to bring, is clearly defined in the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. I I find this interesting, and we're we're taking a little bit of an aside. We're minutes from a break here, but um, I find a bit of an aside. When he quotes that from Isaiah 61, he leaves off a line, and it's not our subject for today, but he leaves off a line that says in Isaiah 61, verse uh, 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. It's like he paused because... The first part of his mission, his first coming is done, uh, and he pauses because the second coming still down in the future. Um, not really the subject for today, but it's just the one thing that this host knows about Isaiah 61. Yes, and it's very interesting that, that Isaiah 61 was often quoted, by the way, by the Jews, and it was clearly a reference to the Gentiles, and it was used as a reproach to Gentiles who would be with them. Hmm. And so here now Jesus kind of puts a little twist on it as you he's leaving that out. To make very clear, his first coming, the delivery of this gospel, is a clear delivery of making an impact on the world for the good and the betterment of it, not just with the Jews, but with the Gentiles. And for those who may be unfamiliar with that term Gentile, essentially in the it, it, it was a word used by the Jews to describe anybody that was not Jewish. Right, the outsiders. So Jesus came to deliver and 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 make a positive impact. And I want to be very careful because I don't want people to get the idea that I'm talking about some kind of uh, uh, self-help here. But he came to deliver good news right. to the entire world, not just to the Jews alone. Okay, so we've looked at Matthew 24, verse 12, where the love of many will grow cold, lawlessness will abound. You're bringing us into Luke 4, where Jesus preaches from Isaiah 61, makes reference to Isaiah 58. 
Here's what we are about to do to our listening audience, Pastor Holland. It's something that is cruel and unusual for a listening audience because we have not gotten to the best part of this yet, not even close. I know we're going to dig a little deeper into Isaiah 61, Isaiah 58, maybe even look at some potential modern-day fulfillments of some of these principles, uh, but... On many stations, we are going to run out of time in just over 60 seconds. And uh, and on some stations, we'll continue right after uh, the break. But in some places, we're about to go off the air. What that means, however, is that uh, you can visit us at voiceofprophecy.com and pick up the rest of this discussion. This is something you're not going to want to miss. And that means that if you did not have time to go and grab a Bible, you can go grab a Bible now and then go to voiceofprophecy.com and follow along as we dig a little bit deeper into this, looking at this concept that things change in the end, the love of many grows cold, lawlessness abounds. Is this our day and age? Sure seems so. And then we'll go to Isaiah chapter 61 and Isaiah 58. But for those of you who are about to drop off on stations all across the nation, I'm going to wish you well. Thank you for joining us on Disclosure. Remember, visit the website voiceofprophecy.com, where you can also sign up for our Discover Bible School and enjoy a deeper walk with the Lord and a better understanding of Scripture. But for those about to leave us, I'm going to wish you well and invite you to join us again either on the website or right here on this station. searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. for joining us on Disclosure, a new radio offering from the good people at The Voice of Prophecy. We are actually in the back half of a program. On many stations in many markets, we went off the air at the half-hour mark, but for those of you who are still with us, the lucky chosen few, you get to hear the back half of our program. The truth is, is if you miss the back half on a station, you can still get it at our website, uh, voiceofprophecy.com. And today we're sitting down with Pastor Chris Holland, who was 
is taking us through Matthew chapter 24 and this enigmatic statement of Jesus that in the last days before he comes again, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. And from there, Pastor Chris, you took us into Jesus' statement about the gospel being preached to the whole world, but you pointed out it became very specific. It's this gospel, and you were starting to unpack that. Jesus had been preaching in Luke chapter 4, or really doing the scripture reading, and he quoted from Isaiah, um, Isaiah 61, and you made reference to Isaiah 58. So we're ready now for you to start unpacking this gospel. Why did Jesus say this gospel? Jesus identifies very clearly this gospel. This gospel is the gospel, this gospel that he came to bring, which is outlined in his mission, his mission statement that he establishes in his first act of ministry in Luke 4, when he reads in the synagogue, Isaiah 61. And so I don't want to bore the listener, and I would encourage the listener to get into their Bibles and study this you on their own. You never bore the listener. That's my gift. <laughs> I don't think so. I've never been bored around you. We uh, we have fun <laughs> together. So, But here's what the breakdown of Isaiah 61 is. It's, it outlines essentially just a few principles. To address the poor, to address the brokenhearted, to address the captive, to address the blind, and to address the oppressed. Okay. Now, I'll start at the end and then go back to the beginning. Okay. The last statement that Jesus says is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is clearly a reference to the second coming of Jesus. Right. Here's the bottom line, and and uh, and there are an abundance of resources where someone can go and study the ultimate solution to all the world's problems, as I outlined many places in the Bible, but specifically in Daniel chapter 2, right. the rising and falling of empires, is the second coming of Jesus. Right. Also in the Daniel 7, it's a little less of a direct path, but it actually shows all the kingdoms of the earth passing away at the judgment hour. And of course, the next step is the establishment of God's kingdom. Which will last forever. And it is a kingdom of absolute peace that is described in Revelation 21 and 22, a place where there's no more death, no more dying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no disease, which is impossible for any of us to envision because we just don't live that way. We live in a world where each of us are finite. And I don't mean to be morbid, but we're born and we're going to die. I have plenty of indicators that I'm in the home stretch. (laughs) No, it does happen. We all finally, when you're 18, you might think it's not coming, but eventually you realize, oh, I am not going to be the one human being that doesn't hit the end zone. That's right. So the key for this gospel, the key to bring hope, the key to answer the lawlessness and the love of many growing cold is the proclaiming and the sharing of the second coming of Jesus. But then Jesus gets into these practical things, to preach the gospel to the poor. That word there, poor, in the original language, doesn't just mean somebody who is socioeconomically uh, deficient, but it's also to that person who's disillusioned with life. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that almost ties back to the Beatitudes. Jesus talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes, and that's, in fact, that word poor there and the word poor here are the identical word. Then Jesus says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And, you know, in our modern terminology, although broken heart uh, is not a term that's used a ton, but often that's referring to love. And and you might hear a country Western song talking about somebody's broken heart. While certainly that can be a little bit about what Jesus was talking about, this brokenness that Jesus is speaking about is is a reference to mental, social, emotional, spiritual brokenness. And so Jesus came 
to address the person who is, yes, socioeconomically poor, but also disillusioned. He, he came to provide hope to the person that is mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually broken. But then it also says that he came to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captive uh, and, and using language of almost like prison language. When you're captive, you see no way out. And Jesus right. came to provide a way out. And and so much more than those who are just physically captive. That's right. Yeah. Not just physically captive. I mean, Jesus is is making reference to the comprehensive nature here of of releasing those who are under the bondage of sin. And and listen, we don't have to go far or we just go to the internet. Uh and I can't even remember the statistic, but the number of pornography sites that exist on the internet and the number of addictions to right. such a well, I don't know the numbers of, of pornography sites. I know I think I've seen numbers like thirty percent of websites are yes. pornographic in nature. I did live in the greater Los Angeles area and just over the hill was the San Fernando Valley, where I discovered um they film if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, Pastor, they film something like two hundred pornographic movies every day, 200 a day. And I boggled my mind. I thought, where is the audience for 200 new films a day? It, it tells a story about the human condition. Yes. And, and what I'm about to share could be misinterpreted, but I'm going to unpack it just slightly. Okay. I, I, I shared, actually, I was uh, preaching a sermon on the seventh commandment, and which of course is the commandment against adultery. Correct. I began researching this and here's the statistic they found. 45% of all pastors have some type of pornographic material on their computer. Ouch. Okay. Now, I, this does not mean that we shouldn't go to church and we shouldn't trust pastors and things like that. What well, this, they're also human beings. They're human beings. And Jesus came, and I've just named pornography. How many well, it's, other it's things, the plague today, though. Yeah, it is the plague of the day. But how many other things are people in bondage to they just uh, and I don't know maybe there's someone out there that 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 it, that's playing video games or or on social media and they have that moment where they want to stop but they just can't seem to stop or maybe your addiction is food right. or listen I come from a family of alcoholics maybe and you want to stop and you just can't stop Jesus came to give deliverance or, to or those, those kind who, of people who just medicate themselves with Netflix all night long yes mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not against the odd movie or no, that kind. I don't want to be I, I, we're not Luddites and we're not prudes, no. but there are people who will watch 30, 40 hours a week of their Netflix and they'll binge watch. And they're not just really entertaining themselves. They're medicating themselves. Yes. And, and it's an addiction. And, and, I, and I believe those people feel captive to that. They're not at some stage necessarily doing that by choice. They are captive to well, there that. Comes a point where it doesn't feel, yeah, there comes a point where it doesn't yeah. feel right if you're not doing it. Right. And, and this is what Jesus, Jesus came to give freedom of those things. Mm -hmm. And. And and we don't want to lose the context of this. He says, this gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. See, Jesus' answer to lawlessness and the love of many growing cold is that there he would have, for lack of a better word, ground troops out there not judging people, out there not condemning people. You know, it's one thing— Well, to, that's key. That's and, key, and, and, because it, it, Christianity in the 21st century is often perceived— 
as holier-than-thou folks wagging their fingers at everybody else. And, of course, what usually happens in that case is it comes out later that they were doing something far worse than the people they were criticizing. Right. And, and again, we can see in the news, and, and I won't name the group, but you, people can look it up. There are groups that go and they protest funerals and different things where they condemn sin. And th- th- it's a term used of calling sin by its right name. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what that means, really. But here's what I know. Jesus is saying the answer to the lawlessness and the lack of love in the world is to demonstrate love by sharing with people the freedom that Jesus can bring. And we could spend a lot of time unpacking and getting into the original language, but what is more important to me than what Jesus said is, what what did Jesus do? Right. And when we look at the book of John, and we don't have time to study the entire book of John, but we show up in the book of... Well, I'll stick around. (laughs) Even when we go off the air, I'll just stick around to study with you. When we look at the Gospel of John, what we see is an amazing development here. In, In John 2, the first miracle that Jesus does, it is at a wedding, and there at the wedding, they run out of wine. Now, we don't have time to study that out, but the reality is, is they ran out of pure grape juice. Right. It would have been a social embarrassment for them to run out of grape juice at their wedding. Jesus turns water into pure, unfermented juice. Right. Now, that might be a study for another day, folks. You just gave me another because there's some dispute over that. I'll just point that out, that there are Christians divided on that. I happen to be in your camp, and that might be a good show for another day. Yes, I think it would be a good show. But here what we find, wherever you come down on on, on that, is that Jesus addresses a social need. He saves them from social embarrassment. Mm -hmm. John chapter 3, the next thing that happens, Jesus receives a visitor, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a religious leader who is believing the things that Jesus says, but he doesn't want to come public with it because it would embarrass him. The Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. It's very interesting in the Greek, and, and, and if Jean loves grammar, she'll love this. The syntax of that word, and if you don't know what that means, you can write into VOP and ask Jean <laughs> to tell you what syntax means. But literally translated, that word literally means that Nicodemus came to Jesus in a nighttime-ish sort of way. He came not only in the darkness, but shrouded under darkness because he was embarrassed. Right. He was embarrassed socially. He was embarrassed religiously or spiritually to go public in his support for Jesus. isn't it beautiful that God, you know, God could say, hey, everybody out in the light, take your stand, walk down to the front of the auditorium and take your stand publicly. He accommodates people where they are. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly the point. Jesus just didn't preach. Jesus did. Luke, uh, excuse me, John chapter four. Oh, this the, is my favorite. Chapter. The woman at the well. Yeah. Right. There's a so much we could unpack here. Jesus is with the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Wouldn't even walk on their land. The journey that Jesus was taking would have been more direct to go through Samaria. But most Jews would circumvent Samaria, so they didn't even set foot in. Oh, Samaria. that's right. It actually says Jesus must needs. I'm quoting Old King James here. Must needs go through Samaria, which wasn't geographically true. Yep. There was that alternate route, but it wasn't geographical necessity that that made Jesus go that way. It was something else. Yeah. That's right. So Jesus ministers to a Samaritan. He ministers to a woman, which was very taboo for a man right. to address a woman. He addresses a woman that has been married five times. 
Now, in that society and in that culture, to be married five times and be thrown out, this woman was a used and abused woman. Jesus addresses her, and Jesus gives her freedom. He addresses physical need, spiritual need, emotional need, mental needs. John chapter 5, he heals a man at the pool of Bethesda, a physical need. Jesus feeds the 5,000 in John chapter 6, addresses a physical need. John chapter 7, he addresses his brothers and and different things of that nature. And then in John chapter 8, it all comes at a climax when he addresses the adulterous woman, and he ministers to two people. He ministers to the adulterous woman and to the leaders that accused her by not exposing them publicly. Astonishing. It's astonishing. Okay, we are... Pastor Holland, up against a break, but I love the picture of Jesus you've just shown. He goes out of his way. Here's a God who doesn't have to do anything for us, but he goes out of his way to meet people where they are, to accommodate their need, to bring the gospel to them at the point where they are. There's obviously a giant object lesson for believers and Christians today. But it is time for a little break. I'm hoping you do have a pen and paper handy because you're going to want to take advantage of this special offer from the Voice of Prophecy. And uh, once we get through the break, we will come back. We're sitting down with Pastor Chris Holland from It Is Written Canada, and we're studying this gospel, the one that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24 and verse 14. So don't go away. We will be right back after this very short break. Pastor Chris Holland, disclosure from the Voice of Prophecy. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Answers to help you make sense of the chaos you see all around you in today's world? Answers to the deepest questions in life, like, where is God when we suffer? The stories of pain and suffering in this world surround us at every turn. There's a world of hurt. And maybe you're wondering, does God see it all? In this world of pain, is there really a chance for true happiness in this life? Is there a secret to living a happy, contented life amidst the chaos? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7933, for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There's never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. You'll find answers and guides like, Does my life really matter to God? And from guilty sinner to forgiven saint. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides as the major themes of the Bible come to life. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And we are back from the break. You're listening to Disclosure from the Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean Boonstra. I am your host for the next, oh, so many minutes. And I'm sitting down in studio with my wife, Jean, and my good friend, Pastor Chris Holland from It Is Written Canada. And just before the break, we were on a survey of the Gospel of John, looking at how Jesus reached out to people and made a difference in their lives. So go ahead and finish up our discussion, 
We were looking at each of these chapters, seeing Jesus' practical application. And in John 8, we often talk about the woman caught in adultery and how Jesus ministered to her. She, of course, had physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, mental needs, and Jesus ministers to her because you'll remember Jesus begins writing in the sand, likely writing the sins. Well, the context certainly implies it because they all start slinking away while he's writing. So all of these religious leaders, uh, and there is one writer that actually alludes to the fact that these religious leaders were able to catch her in adultery because they were the, actually the ones committing adultery with her. So there's an astonishing, yeah. an astonishing thing. Jesus ministers to the woman, says, woman, where are your accusers? Now, what we often say is there were no accusers there. That's not correct. Jesus actually was the only one that could rightfully accuse her because he had no sin and Oh, the old, old. Well, I've never looked at that in that light. And so Jesus, as the only one that could accuse her, says, where are your accusers? Because I'm not going to accuse you. Jesus forgives her and then says, now go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. And he gives her the victory and the courage to go live a life of goodness. But here's the other group that we miss out on. When Jesus was writing those sins, he was writing in the sand. Right. The sand is not stone. The sand would later, by the winds, be blown away that those sins would not be there. You see, Jesus was ministering to these religious leaders who were hypocrites because he wanted to give them a good life and demonstrate his love toward them. And he did that by, yes, writing their sins in the sand to give them an eye awakening of, hey, this is where you are. But by the way, I'm not going to hold this against you forever. I'm not going to write this in stone. I'm going to give you opportunity. The laws they broke were in stone. That's forever. It's God's character. That's right. It's a transcript of his character. But when we break God's law, he keeps that record in sand, which could be changed through the gospel. That is correct. Mm -hmm. And so here's the bottom line of all of this when we talk about this gospel as being an answer to lawlessness and the love of many growing cold. It's quite simply this. Jesus gives the opportunity to share and to demonstrate with people what true love is. See, too often when we talk about the gospel, it is theoretical, it's theological, it's very ethereal, out there. But Jesus took all of that and said, no, 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 no. The gospel is very practical. And so to the listener that's listening today, to the listener that wants to be a fulfillment of prophecy and the answer to the love of many growing cold, Do something as simple as go knock on your neighbor's door, take them a loaf of bread, go on to your neighbor's door and just pray with them. Go to your neighbor and and see, that's the one thing. I mean, and listen, I'm embarrassed. I, I, I don't preach on things that I haven't been convicted on myself. Sure. I lived in a place for three years and when I left, I realized that I did not know the neighbor on either side of my house. And wow. What, what made it even worse is I lived in a townhouse, so their homes were actually attached to my you, house. You're sharing a wall. And so... I knew them because I saw them and, hi, how are you doing? But I hadn't made an impact on their life. And so a very practical application of this is something very simple. You can go out and do it right now. Go out and do it when you get home. Take your neighbor's children some candy. And I know some people say, oh, that's not healthy. Well, that's okay. Take a little bit of candy and maybe take some apples to take away the... But the point is is yeah. to is to share the goodness. Right. And we're not talking about knocking on the door and preaching at folks. No. No, because that's so often what people consider witnessing. Do you realize God's judgment's going to fall? I knew somebody who actually, 
did that. We're talking about doing this the way Jesus did. And the, and what's important about that, and we could spend a lot of time, this is a little bit of a, a soapbox issue for me. What's important to understand is in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus actually calls us to be witnesses and talks about the Holy Spirit falling, he says, I will give you power to be witnesses. It's interesting. It doesn't say, I'll give you power to be witnessing. Now, why is that so important? Because it's a noun and not a verb. Jesus doesn't call us to go witnessing. Jesus calls us to be a witness, which means... Fantastic. Which means that we're a witness in our home and how we deal with our children. We're a witness in our home when we deal with our spouse. We're a witness in our home when we deal with our parents. We're a witness to our neighbors. And it's practical. Jesus did practical things for people. Mm -hmm. He won them. And here's the bottom line. And listen, this isn't a bait and switch situation. When you demonstrate that kind of love to people, people are going to say, you know what? There's something different about you. You're, you're an odd bird. Right. And yeah, I because the love of many has grown cold. We're not used to interacting with people who actually care. Mm-hmm. And and here's the fascinating thing. People are going to say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's different about you. I just know this. I want what you have. And then we have opportunity to share the gospel, the the life-saving gospel of Jesus. But too often we we don't have permission to do that because we simply go in and we condemn sin and we call sin by its right name. And and listen, I'm not talking about being, uh, you know, wavering and, and all over. This. I'm, no, no. I'm talking about making a practical difference in the community. We're not accepting sin, but we're accepting people. And the, 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 there's a, you know, I don't want to use the old hackneyed stuff, you know, love the sin and hate, or love the, I got that backwards. <laughs> love no, the love sinner, the sin or hate the, the sin. sin. That's a little bit hackneyed, but... The principle is you don't have to condemn people. That's you right. just don't have to condemn people. And I always remind myself of this. If if an angel were to show up right here in the studio and run down my life the way it is today, that's right. I would wilt. Yes. I would wilt. So how dare I, mm-hmm. you know, sit in judgment of somebody else? God didn't call me to do that. He called me to love them. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And how can you can you share that love when you don't interact with them? Like That's you right. said, Chris, not knowing those neighbors. We've been in situations where we haven't really gotten to know our neighbors either. But you can't even start to talk about those things until you start to talk about practical things and you build a relationship of trust. That's right. Now that is on a that's on a, a very basic something I can go do today difference. Right. Yep. Now we happen to be working well, together that, that's on right. Big and here's projects. an opportunity for listeners to actually get involved to make a difference in somebody's life. So I don't mind plugging this. This is a ministry opportunity. You and I are working together on a project in the far north in the Arctic, in the territory of Nunavut, which is way up by Greenland. You might want to get out a map and look for this place. But uh, you and I went on a trip up there and there's huge need up there. Now, just amazing needs. Yeah. And and just for our, our listeners who aren't familiar with where Nunavut is, that's actually north of Manitoba, correct? Uh, well, Ontario, Manitoba, yep. and straight north. So it's not Alaska when you think of no, that no, this, part of the north. This is way this north. This is your reference is Greenland. That's yes. the closest point. Yes. Right. If you go to Greenland and you, you go on your globe on Greenland and then you draw a line to the left a little bit, you mm-hmm. are in Nunavut. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is often depicted on globes and maps in white because it is, for most of the year, Pretty covered, accurate. covered yeah. in snow. Uh, you and I went in June and it was snow in the ground, ice break had not happened. Salt water was frozen enough to walk on. Still. That is correct. And so there are tremendous needs in Nunavut. Nunavut, any, the, way, the only way to get anything in there, they can't grow any of their own food. The only way to get things in is by airplane and by ship. Ship is a very limited time because ice right. break is in July. Six or eight weeks. Ice comes back in 
in September. So it's a very limited thing. You and I have joined in a project together with It Is Written Canada and the VOP to bring Bibles to Nunavut. Right. To bring... In the Inuktitut language. In the language of There's been a famine of, of scriptures available in their tongue. Absolutely. To develop Bible studies in their language, in the Inuktitut language, to develop DVD products in the Inuktitut language, and then to build centers of influence. And what do I mean by centers of influence? We're going to build a church. Right. But here's what I what needs to be clear to the listener. We are not going to build a building that's going to be used for one or two hours a week on... No, no, no. This uh, is a community outreach. This is going to be a community outreach where practical things like what Jesus was talking about is happening. And some of those practical things will be like feeding young people. Well, there's a huge need. When you and I were up there in uh, Nunavut, I remember meeting a kid. Uh, I, I'm going to protect his identity. I won't say which community we're in, yes. but... He couldn't have been more than, what, eight or nine years right. old. And yep. he came up to me and he said, um, he said, listen, do you do drugs? No, I don't. He says, well, that's good. And then he says, do you drink alcohol? He said to me, well, no, I don't. And as he's walking away, someone pulled me aside and said, you realize he's done all those things. And I'm in shock. But substance abuse is um, is absolutely massive in these regions. And and people have brought in these things. Some parents are indulging in alcohol and so on, so their kids go hungry. When we're talking about a center of influence, this is a place that, yes, can serve as a church on the weekend and a place for Bible study, but it's also a place where a kid can come and get a meal if that's not really available in their home some days. Yes. There are tremendous needs, and people can support that. People can help uh, in a mighty way by donating to this project. Right. And uh, life is very expensive up there, but the, the need is so huge. I'm hoping people will help. You can visit uh, Chris's website if you're in Canada, iiw.ca. Uh, or the voice of prophecy.com if you're living in America. If you'd like to get involved and actually make a difference in some lives, Gene. You can actually see some footage of um, your trip up there this past June at vop.com forward slash Arctic. Um, you know, something that people have asked me as I've talked to them a little bit about this project that we're doing together is to understand the problems and the challenges with actually building something. Yeah. What are some of the challenges of building in the Arctic? You know, the 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 building in the Arctic, there is no Lowe's in the Arctic. There's no Home Depot in the Arctic. That's right. Yep. There yeah. is no natural timber. You can't go out in the woods. Well, there's not a tree anywhere. There's not a tree anywhere. Mm -hmm. You are on the frozen tundra uh, of Canada. And so everything needs to be shipped in. And you hope and pray that when you ship it in, that they didn't leave out a screw, they didn't leave out a nail, because it all needs... But then it has then to be flown to in. you have to wait another however long. That's correct. Yeah. And, and then when you're building something, you need mm -hmm. to build something that can withstand the climate that exists there. And we're talking about uh, temperatures in the wintertime that go negative 40, negative 50. And by the way, that doesn't matter whether you're calculating that. No, after Celsius 40, it's just really cold. It's just oh. bitterly cold. And so there's huge, huge, huge problems. There. Well, you know, and I grew up in Canada, but I, I, I still can't fathom personally because I have not visited that particular area. How you build in frozen ground, so you must have to build everything above ground, yeah. and then all the pipes and everything would be exposed, and they would be subject to freezing. I mean, the yeah, it, the complications and the challenges are huge. Big challenge. Here's the number one thing. 
as hard as it is to get there, it's just as hard for those people to get out. And so this is one instance where it is written Canada, the voice of prophecy, and all of our listeners could make a difference for people who can't come and get the help they want or need. They can't show up in your church for a Bible study and they're isolated. This is a patch of ground the size of Western Europe with only about 40,000 people on it. Uh, you can be involved. This is one place where not even leaving home, you can make a huge difference in some communities where the love of Jesus um, would make a massive, massive difference. There are some Christians up there that uh, could sure use some help sharing the gospel. So, uh, Pastor Chris Holland, we're running out of time. We're right down to seconds to go. But thank you for joining us. Your website again, IIW. You can look for the Arctic Project there if you live in Canada. If you are in the United States of America, the website is voiceofprophecy.com. Pastor Chris, thanks for joining us. Nice to have you in the studio, and it's nice to be able to go out for supper with you when we're all done. Oh, that uh, sounds like a promise. Yeah, it does sound like a promise. Thanks for joining us, listeners. And until we meet again for another episode of Disclosure, this has been Sean Boonster with The Voice of Prophecy. Thanks for listening. We will hear from you again next time.